0: Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from OTRGold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors.
1: The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self Polishing Glow Coat present Bibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with songs by the Kingsmen and music by Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with You Do Something to Me. <laughs> What an entomologist is, that's the fellow who knows all about bugs. Well, I'm not really an entomologist, but I do know one thing about bugs. They hit your windshield and the hood of your car with a bang at this time of year, and they do a lot of damage to the finish if you don't remove them. Washing won't take them off as a rule. What you need for that job is Johnson's Car New, the sensational and new polish that cleans and polishes your car with one application, that does two jobs at once in short order. Carnew is not only a wonderful time and labor saver, but it's the easy way to keep your car looking its best. Carnew is a liquid. You rub it on, let it dry, wipe it off. Carnew brings back your car's original showroom shine. If you want to give added protection to the finish and save money on car washing, you can apply a coat of wax. Use either the special Johnson's Auto Wax or the regular household wax. Ask your auto supply store, service station, or regular wax dealer for a package of Johnson's Car News, spelled C-A-R-N-U. Dennis is still missing. And here at 79 Wistful Vista, sorting out police reports, sifting clues and rumors about their rambling relatives, we find Fibber McGee and Molly. Well, McGee, it's been nine days
2: since Uncle Dennis disappeared, and I'm awfully worried.
3: Me too. I'm getting kind of nervous about him myself.
2: Oh, I knew you were really fond of him, dearie.
3: I ain't half as fond of him as I am of my wristwatch. He's wearing it.
2: Now, listen, don't talk like that. You know how dear Uncle Dennis is
3: to me. He's dear to me, too. About 14 bucks a week, as close as I can figure. <laughs> Besides, all.
2: Oh, answer it quick, McGee. Maybe that's some news about him.
3: Okay. Bill McGee speaking. Who? Police department. What? Repeat that description again, please. What? Blue gray eyes. That's him? Yeah. Bushy hair. Yes, bushy hair. Nice white teeth.
2: Oh, he's always been proud of his teeth.
3: Left ear, Missy. Oh, no. Heavenly day. Take it easy, Molly. What was that last item, Sarge? A 23-inch tail.
4: What? <laughs> no,
3: I don't know whose cat that could be, Sarge. <laughs> but thanks for calling. Hey, Molly, hand me them last reports from the detective bureau.
2: Here. What's in those reports, if anything? Well, here's one that's
3: interesting. It says Officers Chester Goff and Norris Lauk investigated loud groans coming from Park Carr a week ago tonight. My goodness, who was groaning? Three people listening to Pimmer McGee and Molly. <laughs> and listen to this one. clothes man Orson Smaltz of the 23rd Precinct reports that has he Come in. Uh, Mr. McGee here. I'm Mr. McGee, officer. You got some news about Uncle Dennis? Uh, nothing important, sir. But Abdul Skirmudgen, owner of the Turkish bath at 14th North Street,
2: says a
5: man answering your uncle's description came in a week ago Monday night.
2: That's the night he disappeared.
4: That's yes.
3: right. We call it Blue Monday because that's the day he blew. <laughs>
4: Did
2: you get it,
3: Molly? I it ain't funny, caught... McGee. Well, we got to keep a sense of humor through this. Yeah, but you kept that one too long. That <laughs> That one's spoiled.
2: But what did Uncle Dennis do in the Turkish bath, officer?
3: Well, lady, all he wanted was an alcohol rub. That was him, all right. <laughs> while he was getting it, little dog come in through the open door and run away with all his things. Oh, so that's how Pepe got all his clothes. Yes, yes, go on, officer. Well, all he had left was his shorts and socks and a walking stick. While the Turkish bath man was out for a minute, this man left. He left wearing only his shorts and a walking stick, oh, eh?
2: dear Uncle Dennis, he was always so fussy about his appearance. Is that all,
0: officer? Uh, yes, ma'am.
5: Oh, no. <clears throat> his money was in his clothes that the dog took,
3: so he couldn't pay for his alcohol rub, so he left his gold wristwatch as security. <laughs> I'll let you know if we hear anything more, folks. <laughs> <laughs> At least he was honest enough not to skip I'll paying for his after. Hey, that was my wristwatch. He can't do that with my property. Give me the phone, ma'am.
2: No, 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 keep telling me. I'm
3: calm. I'm cool. I ain't excited. Where's the phone? In your hand. Which hand? Oh, I got it. Hello, operator. Give me the Turkish bath at 14th and Oak upstairs over Mert. Is that you? How's uh... oh, your little thing, Mert? It is, eh? What thing, Mert? Your little niece? Gee, I'm sorry to hear that, Mert. What
2: happened to her little niece, McGee?
3: She got them all skinned up shooting craps last night. <laughs> what say, Mert? Oh, okay, I'll call them later. That burns me up, Molly, leaving my wristwatch to pay for his alcohol rub. Well, now, listen,
2: you can buy a new watch, but we only had one Uncle Dennis.
3: Well, I prefer the watch. It keeps better hours.
2: (laughs) Where are you going, Molly? I'm going up to his room once more and see if I can find any clues. Call me if you hear anything, McGee. Okay.
3: Short socks and a walking stick, eh? (laughs) Well, he can't get far in that costume. Because that's probably another cop. Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hello there, sis. Don't bother me now because I'm all upset about Uncle Dennis being missing.
6: Well, see if I were you, mister, I'd get into something loose and lie down and relax and eat only blonde foods for a few days.
3: What do you mean, blonde foods? You mean bland foods. Soft foods like milk and eggs and, and eggs and milk. I know. Huh?
6: All us nurses recommend that when you're upset about something... Oh,
3: now, wait a minute, sis. What's this about us nurses?
6: I guess you don't read the papers or listen to the radio much, mister. The government is calling for fifty-four thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine women to enter schools of nursing and prepare themselves for national defense. How many? Fifty-four
3: thousand nine
6: hundred and
3: ninety-nine. The way I heard it it was fifty-five thousand.
6: I know it, but my application is already in. (laughs) You're a
3: little young to be a nurse, aren't you, sis?
6: Well, they said on the radio they want young women. Mm. And I've been practicing all week on my doll. I oh, you have, huh? Hmm?
3: I said you have, eh?
6: Have what?
3: You've been practicing all week on your doll.
6: How do you know, mister? <laughs> Never mind.
3: Hey, by the way, do you know how to treat a case of certified whimsy cyst with a compound furnace of the portacran?
6: <laughs> I'm
3: serious, sis. What would you do in a case like that?
6: I'd give him two teaspoons of barrel for a gave him half hour. <laughs>
3: You got me, sis. Hmm? I says you got me.
6: Yeah, but I don't want to, <laughs> And I'm serious about being a nurse, too, mister. Here, now, read this.
3: Well, oh, okay. Nursing always furnishes great opportunities for service. Mm-hmm. And never more than at present when the nation's armed forces need the assistance of every person in this country. We strongly urge qualified young women to consider nursing as a career... And to think also of the great opportunities offered by the Nurses Corps of the United States Army and Navy.
6: There, you see?
3: Well, oh, sure, sis, I knew that, but I still think you're just a <laughs> trifle on the underdone side to be volunteering your services. <laughs> what could you do?
6: I bet I could drive an ambulance, I bet Oh,
3: yeah? Yes,
6: sure. and us women are better drivers than men, too.
3: That's so. How do you
6: figure that? Well, you show me just one man that can powder his nose in the rearview mirror... And the seams in his stockings, talk to three friends, signal for a left turn and then make a right turn, (laughs) and drive through traffic all at the same time. Just show me, mister. What'd you say, mister? Nothing. I know it and I'm proud of you. So long, mister.
3: in Uncle Dennis' room, Molly?
2: Only one thing, McGee. He's apparently on a diet. Yeah. But I don't know why he doesn't take from our milkman.
3: Milkman? What are you talking about?
2: Well, look, I found a bill for a dozen bottles of teacher's Highland
3: cream. <laughs> oh, yeah, Highland cream. <laughs> he pours that in his oatmeal.
4: <laughs>
3: no, he doesn't like oatmeal. Okay, then he just pours it in.
2: <laughs> poor, poor Uncle Dennis. I wonder if we'll ever know what
3: happened to him. you probably never know, and I'll probably never care. That guy, to me, was always listening.
2: Just... Come, come in. in. Oh, Mrs. Duffington, come in, Abigail, dear. Oh, how do you do, Mister. McGee? And Mr. McGee? Hi, Uppy.
4: the house,
7: Pee-Pee the puppy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pepey, the dear little thing is completely worn out, Mister. McGee. Oh, you know, I think she knows about Uncle
2: Dennis and is suffering intensely. She's suffering? How about me? Uncle Dennis is the only uncle I have.
3: <laughs> I hope I can depend on that. Well, all I can say, Uppy, is that pin-headed little pooch of yours sure led us a merry chase last week. (laughs) There's a hound that ought to go back to the Baskervilles.
7: (laughs) Please, Mr. McGee. Phoebe did all she could under the circumstances. After all, she is not a bird dog. Well, why should we want a bird dog? Well, I understood Mr. McGee to say that Uncle Dennis was full of old crow when he flew the food.
4: (laughs)
3: Hey, didn't you have a kind of a yin for the old corkscrew at one time, Uppy? Say, listen, don't you call Uncle Dennis an old corkscrew, McGee. All right. The old tavern trotter, then. (laughs) How about it, Uppy? Wasn't you and him slightly on the goo-goo in the quite recent?
7: Uh, If that is the king's English, Mr. McGee, please extend my sincere
2: sympathy to the queen. (laughs) Uh, You know what he means, Abigail. Weren't you and Uncle Dennis flinging a little woo?
7: Uh, well, if you mean to convey that Uncle Dennis and I were very good friends at one time, I I might even say romantically attached.
2: Uh, yes. Uh, but we quarreled. I never did know what happened, Abigail. Though if it's any my business, and I know it isn't, but I hope you'll tell me anyway, even if I haven't any excuse for asking. <laughs> Except for mere curiosity, which you've forgiven anybody, but after all, what did I start out to say? <laughs>
3: You started to ask me which of them flattered the high notes in their song of love.
4: <laughs>
7: oh, it was all so foolish, Miss McGee. As I looked back upon it, the whole incident was simply ridiculous. I nearly told him I didn't like the way he parted his hair.
2: And he resented a little thing like that? Indeed he did. Wow. Why,
7: he flung his knife and fork down and, and stalked out of the dining room.
3: Just because you didn't like the way he parted his hair? Yes.
7: We were having a rabbit dinner. And his carving was atrocious. Oh, now let me know if you get anything. Good night.
3: Rabbit dinner. Part of his hair. Oh, brother.
2: Now listen, don't snare McGee. Seventy oh. days, when I remember what you've been quoted as saying in that pocket magazine, I marvel. You marvel at what? At what those readers digest. <laughs> oh, gee, where's
3: the guy
2: gentlemen? Hello, folks. Hey, have you heard anything about Uncle Dennis? Not a word, Mr. Wilcox, except that he was last seen in a Turkish bath.
1: Yeah, he was getting an alcohol rub, Harlow, which would be anybody's first guess. <laughs> you heard anything? No. No, but I just thought I'd stop in to tell you how my aunt found my uncle when he turned up to Oh,
2: how, Mr. Wilcox? Tell me. Easy
3: there, Molly. Anytime this guy volunteers any information, you always wind up at your nearest dealer's buying a container of guess what.
2: Well, I don't care. I want to know how Mr. Wilcox found his uncle. Not that I ever knew he had one.
3: Me either. I knew he had aunts, but not uncles.
1: Well, it was a pretty snappy idea, Sam. The minute my uncle had been missing five days, my aunt dashed out to the store and bought some Johnson's wax.
7: Yes, yes.
1: Then she dashed home again and used the Johnson's wax on her floors, furniture, woodwork, windowsills, lampshades, everything that required a protective, beautifying finish that would keep out the dampness, keep off the dust, Keep everything looking smart and bright. Keep... The... Oh, keep, 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 keep. <laughs> How about your uncle? Well, sir, her house looked so cheerful and clean that all the neighbors were raving about it. The gossip finally got to my uncle, and he came home out of sheer curiosity. He was an inquisitive old cuss.
2: But where had he been all this time?
1: He wouldn't tell us. And you know why? I'm a fool. I'll bite. Why? Because he said if my aunt ever stopped using Johnson's wax, he was going back there again. Just think that over, Molly.
2: But now listen, McGee, I do use Johnson's wax. That won't bring back Uncle Dennis.
1: Quiet, quiet, or it'll
3: bring back Uncle Harlow. Hey, give me the phone. Who
2: are you going to call now?
3: Mayor Latrivia. He promised us he was going to have his police force drag out the throw net. Throw
2: out the drag net. <laughs>
3: yes,
4: he
3: promised. Give me the phone. Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me the office of Mayor La Trivia on the top floor of Merch. How are you? Oh dear. How's every little thing, Merch? Is eh? What say, eh, Merch? McGee. McGee, we've already done one of those. We have? Oh yeah a uh, Hold everything, Merch. We've already done one. <laughs> yeah. What say, eh, Merch? No, I wanted to talk to the mayor. About... Come in. Hello, Mr. McGee. Hello, McGee. Oh, hi, Elizabeth. I Run upstairs and grab that extension phone. I've been trying to get you. McGee, you don't need the phone. He's right here. Where? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, hello, Merck. Never
2: mind. Thanks anyway. <laughs> hi,
3: Alistair.
1: <Elizabeth.
2: laughs> hello. Tell us, Mr. Mayor, have you heard anything about poor Uncle Dennis?
1: Mrs. McGee, I regret to say that up to date we have had no really important clues, but don't give up. I wish you hadn't said that, Matrivia. trivia. I kind of wanted to give up.
3: Well, I won't.
2: Tell me, Mr. Mayor, isn't there any hope? Oh,
1: of course there is, Mrs. McGee. Most missing persons are found in the course of time. I remember one case a few years ago. Bank clerk of Grand Rapids, Michigan. scammed with $30,000. Oh, wow. He was found years later right here in Wistful Vista. What was he doing? He was our chief of police. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's why I tell you, Mrs. McGee, as Horace Greeley so well said, don't give up the ship.
2: No, I, I thought John Paul Jones said that.
1: No, no, it was John Paul Jones who said, You may fire when ready, Gridley. Well,
3: then who said, Go west, young man?
2: Jimmy Doolittle.
3: <laughs> no, uh, no, that was Patrick Henry, I believe. No, it couldn't have been. He couldn't fly
1: an airplane. Who said he could?
2: Well, if he went with Jimmy Doolittle, he'd have to. But
1: that's ridiculous. Patrick Henry was born in 1736. Ain't that marvelous? Imagine a
3: guy his age flying an airplane.
2: (laughs) Well, maybe one of the younger fellows helped him. But
3: I tell you, it was impossible. To guys like Doolittle, nothing is impossible, trivia. Sure.
2: Besides, he's a general now, and if he wanted to take Patrick Henry with him, he had plenty of authority.
1: But, Mrs. McGee, you don't understand. Patrick Henry is not living. Oh,
3: ho, 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 ho. listen to him, Molly. Here's a guy that flies with Doolittle and bombs Tokyo, and Trivia stands there and says he ain't living. I'd like to know what you call living. Sure, me too. I don't think you have the right attitude
2: about this whole thing, Mr. Mayor. Yeah.
1: Making nasty remarks about our airport. Yes. I made no nasty remarks. I merely tried to tell you that Patrick Henry died in 1799. He was a contemporary of George Washington.
2: And what was so contemptible about Washington?
3: I'd like to know. <laughs> I didn't say he was contemptible. I said Patrick Henry oh, was contemptible. So Patrick out. Henry was contemptible. You! <laughs> Give me the phone, Molly. I'm calling the FBI right now. <laughs> Aren't you ashamed,
2: Mr. Mayor? A man of your
3: standing? Now, please, just listen to me. Hello. Put down uh, that phone,
1: please. This is all of a sudden standing. I'm as good an American as you are. A likely story.
4: <laughs>
1: but I am. Why, even now, I'm on my way down to address a mass meeting at the Coliseum.
2: What
1: about? Nurses. The government is issuing a call for 55,000 young women. Oh, yeah, we heard about that, Latvia. Yes, I'm going down to try and impress upon people the urgent fact that the demand for trained nurses will not cease with the end of the present emergency.
2: What do you mean, Mr.
1: Mayor? I mean that when peace finally comes, the whole war-torn world will be looking to America for help, for food, for medicine and materials to rebuild its shattered cities and broken people. We shall need nurses and doctors in untold numbers to prevent complete collapse. Nursing offers more security and wider opportunities than any other occupation open to young women. I shall urge all of them who hear me to get in touch with their state nurses' association or see their local Red Cross unit for information. Well, good for you, Trivia. Go to it.
2: Sure, it's a good cause, Mr. Mayor. Yeah. <laughs> and forget about Patrick Henry. We were just <laughs> fooling.
3: You, you were. <laughs> sure, we were. <laughs> <laughs> we knew you wouldn't make any snide remarks about a guy that had gumption enough to fly with Doolittle. <laughs> But
1: I tell you, McGee, that's him. Never mind. I just hope he enjoyed the trip. (laughs) The King's Man sings Chucklehead.
5: Down the block there lives a fellow known to everybody as Chucklehead. Other people's business is the business of this busybody, Chucklehead. Chucklehead, you no doubt have heard of him. We should give the bird to him. Junior Chucklehead, he acts as pride and joy. He's always got a lot of real inside information. He's sure that all the big boys are ruining the nation. He warns that all our allies are going to pull a fast one says that he hates rumors and gives off with the last one. he give you insight so his brother in the service. Explain to any stranger, our soldiers are so nervous. He buys a dime defense and then drags all over town. Oh, somebody ought to smack him down. Oh, oh, Chucklehead, you know Chucklehead. Junior Chucklehead, the action is by the door. Punk is always wagging, keeps going night and day. Whenever he hears rumors, he helps them on their way. He says he hates all hoarders, this patriotic feller. But you should see what's hidden away mm. down in his cellar. His great figures are waving, catch him all as new. He'll tell you all the gossip and never miss a cue. So if you ever meet him, be careful what you do, or you'll be another Chucklehead too. Oh, Chucklehead, you know Chucklehead, Junior Chucklehead, the is pride and joy. Oh, Chucklehead, you know Chucklehead, Junior Chucklehead, the accent pride and.
3: You know, Molly, it's beginning to look kind of hopeless about Uncle Dennis.
2: Now, don't say that, McGee. Heavenly days, a man can't just drop out of sight like that altogether. Well, I don't know. How
3: about Rudolph Hess and and the man on the flying trapeze? Who ever heard of them anymore?
2: Well, that's different. They're just temporarily out of the public eye.
3: Well, don't get upset about it. The police are still working on it, and when they drag off the throw net, It's they're...
2: throw off the drag net, oh. Uh, maybe that's some news now. Come in.
3: Hello, folks.
2: <laughs> oh, hi,
3: Wimple. Hey, what's the matter with you?
2: What? <laughs> what do you mean, what's the matter with him, McGee? Why, take a look.
3: There ain't a mark or a bruise on him. What's wrong, Wimp? Your wife out of town or something? <laughs> oh, no, Mr. McGee. I I just look like this because I've been
0: running things around our house lately.
2: Oh, you've been running things yourself?
0: Yes. I've been running the errands and the vacuum cleaning and the washing machine.
2: In other words, everything's about as usual at the Chateau Wimple, huh?
0: But have you heard anything about Uncle Dennis?
3: No, we haven't, Wimp. Why?
0: Well, I've just got to thinking, Mr. McGee. Huh? Maybe he was kidnapped by some gangsters. And if they bring him back, will you please tell them I'd like to talk to them? I'd, I'd like to get some idea of what they charge. Now, don't talk like
2: that, Mr. Wimple. I'm sure Uncle Dennis will show up sooner or later.
0: I hope so, Mrs. McGee. As I was saying to Sweetie Face just this morning when she was working in her victory garden... Oh, has she got a
3: victory garden,
0: with? Yes, she has, Mr. McGee. And how I hate it. Staring at those rows of corn hour after hour, day after day. <laughs> well, then, why do you do it? I can't help it. She hangs me up on a clothes pole to scare the cranes away. <laughs> Does she farm scientific women? How do you mean, Mr.? Wim?
2: Well, does she believe in things like crop rotation?
0: Oh, my goodness, she certainly does. Yeah? Just last night, she grabbed me by the neck and rotated my crop till I could hardly breathe. <laughs>
4: but
0: I, I've got to be going now. I, I really hope you find Uncle Dennis. Yeah, what's your hurry? Where are you going? I have to meet Sweetie Face at the insurance office. Oh. He's insuring her right thumb for $10,000.
2: Her thumb for $10,000? Is she going to take up hitchhiking or something?
3: Nobody's thumb is worth 10000 bucks, wimp. Hers is to her. That's the
0: thumb she keeps me under. <laughs> well, goodbye. <laughs>
2: Fella, What a life he
3: leads. Yeah. As a martyr of fact, I think he enjoys it. <laughs> Don't you get it, Molly? I says as a martyr of fact. Now, what on earth is
2: that?
5: We ever
4: McGee,
2: it's Uncle Dennis. He's home. Now we gotta find him not the
3: baritone. Hey, fellas, I'm a baritone. Hooray! Come on! Well, come on, buddy. Come on. Okay. See you
5: later, Mom.
1: Today, about conservation. To many people, it seems to be a new idea, certainly an important one now with a war to win. But to a great many housekeepers, conservation isn't anything new. They've been practicing conservation every time they've protected their linoleum floors with Johnson's self polishing glow coat. Glow coat has already increased the life of perhaps a million linoleum floors. It actually makes linoleum last six to ten times longer than if it were unprotected. That's real conservation, isn't it? And besides that, there's another big saving, many hours of work, because Glow Coat is so easy to apply, and it polishes itself without rubbing or buffing. And, of course, Glow Coat makes floors beautiful and easy to keep clean. All good reasons for protecting your linoleum floors regularly with Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat.
2: Didn't you like the quartet? No, we
3: had arguments. I wanted to sing down by the old mill stream, and they wanted to sing down by Joe's tavern.
4: <laughs>
3: anyway, I was afraid you'd get worried and have the cops throw out the dragnet again.
2: It's drag out the throw net. or no. <laughs> Didn't either. <need> <laughs> <So> pardon me. <laughs> Don't mention it. And good night. Good night, all. <laughs>
1: Weber, McGee, and Molly programs are short-waved each week to our armed forces throughout the world. This is Harlow Wilcott speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This program has reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company.